0: I am obsessed with asking people what things from their childhood that they thought were normal that they then grew up to find out that nobody else on the face of the planet does. For me, it was the fact that I grew up with a fridge that had an ice machine and water that would come out, but we didn't get water from the fridge. Like, we never touched it. It was just like an unspoken, like, nobody ever got the fridge water ever. So for years... I thought it was broken. And then one of my uncles was visiting and he just automatically went and got water from the fridge and water came spraying out of this freaking spigot. And I was like, oh my God, it's a miracle it works. And then I never saw my parents use it even after I knew it was working. And so somehow I just came to the conclusion in my head that the fridge water was like toxic. Like there was... <laughs> like there was Poison in there, and there was just some reason why, like, fridge water was not to be used. But for whatever reason, I did not think that this was like our fridge water was bad. I thought, like, all fridge water was bad. It was like the spigot for water on fridge doors is a trap and it's there to catch unsuspecting idiots. Nobody should ever use that. Which also doesn't even make any sense because we got ice from the fridge. And it comes from the same place It's the same water that's either being frozen or not frozen We got ice, and that was normal We never got water, because obviously that would be a sin Eventually at some point, when I was older I started seeing people get water from their fridges But my fridge was much older than a lot of my friends' fridges And so then I just came to the conclusion That using fridge water was like peak opulence Like, this was like living in the lamp of luxury if you would get water from the fridge. And I'd be like, oh my god, that's just crazy. Eventually, my household fridge broke, and so we had to get a nice new model. And the fridge water was still never used. And it was at that point that I had to come to the conclusion that my parents just have a vendetta against fridge water for some reason. And all of these years, I thought it was either dumping toxic waste out or was, like, the most crazy, luxurious thing a person could do Was to have, like, a f- like only fancy-dancy fridges with, like, TVs on them would also give you water But no, getting water from the fridge is a normal thing to do And we just didn't do it, and I still don't know why And to this day, my parents still don't, and I still don't Like, something about fridge water weirds me out Like, I just think it's gonna kill me This is Camellia. Please pick up the phone. Okay, um, this is not the easiest thing for me to admit because I know I'm coming at this from a biased angle and I just can't get past it. Um, the truth is that I hate skiing. I hate skiing. I hate it. I don't I just think it's stupid and I know I'm supposed to put a caveat here like, oh, but I'm sure if you ski, it's probably not. No. I think it's stupid. I don't care what kind of skiing you do. I'm anti all of it. First of all, I think that skiing is such a bizarro concept to begin with. Like, other sports, I can see how they were developed. Like, we, we have to entertain ourselves. We're gonna make up a game that involves, like, people or teams and like equipment and running around and blah, blah, blah. But like how downhill skiing ever became a thing, I have no clue. Like imagine being so bored that you were like, let's hurdle ourselves down a mountain. It's like you could just play catch. Like that did not need to be invented. But you know what? That's not why I hate skiing. I don't hate skiing because it makes no sense. I hate skiing because... I have been skiing a few times and it was truly like stepping into a portal to another dimension with how odd it was. The first time I ever skied was when I was in private school and middle school. In case you're new to the podcast, I attended private school for my middle school years and it was very different than my previous experience in public school. Basically, the whole time I was at private school, and especially the first year, I was just, like, being introduced to new things that I had never even heard of. There's a certain age you hit, and you're like, I don't think I'm going to be surprised by so many things. Like, I don't think that I know even a fraction of everything in the world. But you're, you're like, I think I'm old enough to not be surprised by, like, things that are common knowledge within my town or subculture, basically. But no... I switched to private school and all of a sudden people would be like, have you heard of this activity? And I'd be like, what? What? How did you guys grow up? Like literally like, and they'd be like, yeah, every like cornhole. They were like, Did you ever play cornhole? We're going to play it. And I was like, what are you talking about? What is that? And they were like, you don't know what that is. Everyone knows what that is. Or they'd be like, blah, blah, blah. Haven't you been to these restaurants? Everyone loves them. I'd be like, I have lived in this town for over 10 years and have absolutely never even heard of this restaurant or even this part of town. So I was pretty used to that feeling by this point. But um, midway through the year, I find out that there is an annual ski trip that is mandatory for all the students to participate in. I know, it's it's like the most private school thing there ever could be. And I know it's not going to go well because everybody's really excited because they all ski and I barely know what skiing is. And also (laughs) at this point, I really had like no friends at this school so there was no chance of it being like well at least I get a day off school to hang out with my friends like there is no upside to this trip and I can't miss it so we go on this trip and even the ride up is horrible like again because I'm like not friends with any of the other people like everybody like fights over who gets to go in what car so they can drive with their friends and I get stuck in this reject car where I'm in between like the world's largest man and like somebody with like eight bags of ski gear on her lap and I'm like in the middle seat going up a mountain. And we get there and for those of you guys who have never been skiing or snowboarding, you like get shuffled through an assembly line to get gear. And it's like getting bowling shoes but like times eight and like way more complicated they're trying to fit you for all of this stuff and, like, you don't know the answer to any of it. Like, I don't know what kind of skis I'm supposed to have or what kind of shoes or what kind of helmet or, like, and they finally, like, figure out what to give for, like, a little novice girl and I get fitted with gear. Um, and there's, like, a little bit of ski training that you can attend if you are brand new to it. So everybody else skis off And then me and, like, one or two other people go To to do, like, the ski lessons thing They teach us But the lesson is pretty short It's only maybe an hour The hill that they train you on Is, like, the world's Shallowest hill Um So it's not a good representation of, like what skiing down any other hill on the mountain will be like. And they teach you this thing in skiing called French fry or pizza to talk about the position of the skis. So French fries is when your skis are like straight out and you're just going down. And pizza is when you like push the tips in and it's supposed to slow you down. Why this is allowed to be taught, I have no clue because doing the pizza method only slows you down when you are on the training sort of hill. It does not work in any real sort of hill. You just still hurtle down a mountain just with your skis in a stupid angle. So after we finish with the ski lesson, we're then just like released to the wild. Um, And I go down like one green slope with a couple of people. Uh, Green is also a beginner level. We go down this beginner level slope and I keep trying to pizza to slow myself down and I keep just beating all the way down the hill. So I basically counted on that nobody would cross my path or be in my way because I couldn't steer very well and hope that I would have enough momentum to like waddle myself like over to the ski lift once I got down to the bottom. So I would end up going so fast because I couldn't slow down or I couldn't go side to side or anything. I would just like hurtle down the mountain. We end up trying to then do another slope and we start going down and very quickly I realize that I am out of my depth. Like I'm looking down and I'm like, oh my God, we must have gotten lost on the map. Like we must not be on the slope that we're supposed to be on because there's no way this is a green slope. Like this is definitely a hard level slope and I can't do it. Like I don't know how to ski. So I fall and I'm staring down the rest of the mountain and I'm like, this is too difficult for me. Like it's really unsafe for me to do this. And so I made the smart decision to pick up my skis and not do the rest of the slope. And then I made the very, very stupid decision to walk up the mountain. You heard me right. Not down, up. (laughs) I didn't even consider that I could have just walked the rest of the way down and met everybody. Oh no, I turn around. And I put those friggin' skis over my shoulder like I was Tom Sawyer. And I trudged my way up a fucking mountain. And it took me hours. Oh my God. It was like, like that alone was like the most athletic thing I've ever done. I just like trekked up the side of a mountain. And by the time I got back up to the top, everyone was like, we had no idea where you were. You've been gone, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Yeah, nobody could have guessed um, where I'd gone. And after all that, I was wrong. It wasn't an expert-level ski slope. It was literally still a beginner slope. That was just how poorly equipped I had been. I went skiing another time when I was in college. Honestly, kind of a similar situation. I was in a club which had a ski trip. And, you know, your guess is as good as mine as to how I end up in a lot of places that have ski trips. But, um... This one, at least, I was a little more prepared for. I had been skiing a few times, like, less than five times, but still a few times since my disastrous first ever ski experience, so I had at least a little idea of what I was doing. I went out skiing and, like, quickly paired up with one of my friends. What I forgot before I decided that I should spend the day with her is that she is she is a bit of a daredevil and very competitive. And I am also a bit of a daredevil and very competitive. And so we just somehow, like, egged each other on to just do, like, harder and harder ski slopes. Um, which was fun for most of the day. But, like, again, I am really not a good skier. I have at least by this point figured out how to, like, mildly slow myself down. Like, I'm past pizza. But, like, I don't have a lot of ski hours under my belt. I really should not be trusted as any sort of, like, proficient skier. But for the most part, it's going well. I'm holding my own. We're skiing, and I'm able to actually, like, go down some hills and not die. And then we meet up with some other people from our club who were very experienced skiers and have been off, like, doing the difficult slopes all day. So they're like, oh, come with us. We'll do some together. Um, and my friend is like, yes, you know, before we leave, we should just, like, do a black diamond slope Just to say we've done it Um, black diamond, as the name might suggest Hard as fuck slope And I'm like, yeah, let's do that No way this could go poorly I'll just do a black diamond slope Even though I've only ever done green slopes before today This will be great So, a couple of the friends that we're with, like kind of like demo it for us and they're like we'll go down you can like watch the angles to like go by which why that would ever be helpful I have no idea this is the thing like with other sports you can like demo a movement and someone can do it but like just because I watch the way you ski down like I can't do that it's like wind like angle like I just there's too many factors like there's no way I'm cutting a path through the snow that you did unless I'm like attached to the back of your skis. So I like watch them do this and I'm like, this will be great. Also, okay, let me describe it like this because a normal ski slope is like steep, but like you can see how somebody can go down it. You're like, I understand how somebody who wanted to do this sort of sport would go down a skis or snowboard on this. But when you look at a black diamond slope, you're literally like, that is not a surface that anybody should be sliding. Like, you will go straight down. You're like, that's not a surface that humans should be intentionally going down. That's like you're in an avalanche or like the part of the roller coaster that's really exciting. But, you know, I put my skis over the edge of this stupid little mountain (laughs) and I go down and I'm trying to cut the same path that these other guys did. And immediately I hit a bump of snow. And just do a full 180. I spin completely around on my skis. The whole thing is very icy, this whole slope, and I am now hurtling backwards down a black diamond slope. And I'm really, like, I'm still upright. I'm just going down this hill backwards. Man, I started praying. I was like, oh my God, because at first I was like, oh my God, what if I fall? And then I was like, oh my God, what if I don't fall? And I just go down the whole slope backwards. Like that's terrifying. And I mean, I made it a good chunk of the way down, just backwards, but upright. Like how I even did that, I have no clue. And then I had a colossal fall. And honestly, that was probably for the best because I should not have attempted the rest of that ski slope. That's my whole vendetta against skiing. And you might be thinking you just don't like skiing because you didn't have a personal good experience. And you know what? You're damn right I didn't. I'm petty about skiing, and I will hold a grudge against him, because that's stupid. And I feel like my experience is kind of a common experience, though. Like, why would you ever pick an activity like that? You know, you can just go out and, like, play soccer, and nothing like that would ever happen. Um, So I'm going to continue to be petty against skiing, and I have yet to hear an argument that makes me want to give it a
1: redemption arc. This week, I'm proud to tell you that our latest sponsor is a local business. DC Sirens are the standout siren noise, and they were founded right in my own city. DC Sirens was founded by a woman who heard an ice cream truck and said to herself, what if this was the noise ambulances made? That signature jaunty jingle is what makes DC Sirens the best in the biz. DC Sirens are so popular that you can hear their product at work during all hours of the day and night. Speaking personally, it's been such a fun touch when I'm trying to record. Thank you, DC Sirens, for being a wonderful local business. We're glad to have you as a partner on the podcast. And remember, DC Sirens, because why shouldn't a crisis sound be a bit more catchy? I think that political party names have gotten too confusing. Or I guess
0: I almost mean the opposite of too confusing. Like, they're too vague. When you hear Democrat or Republican, that doesn't mean anything. And the words themselves refer to a Democratic style of government and a Republican style of government. And we we live in a representative democracy which is specifically both of those things so the titles of the political parties are so meaningless each party is associated with different agendas different party points and different issues that are important to them but it's still way too broad like there's this huge umbrella that's supposed to represent all of these different candidates but as we know If you've turned on, like, any news ever, the political parties, like, people within political parties are not completely in alignment with each other. And obviously we're not the voters, like we don't agree with everybody else who identifies as being the same party as us, but also the candidates themselves are not all agreeing on the same points. And it depends so much based on, you know, what uh, state or district they're representing, as well as just like what their personal views are, what kind of stuff they're advocating for. They could be farther right, farther left, more in the center. And I think it's really silly to have all of these people running under the same name when they basically have nothing in common. Now, I know in other countries there are just more parties and there are a lot of arguments for more than a two-party system. I think that that's not aggressive enough. I think what we need is to just get rid of the idea of parties and every individual candidate should have a quote-unquote political party that is basically just a tagline for what they're supporting. This came to me after remembering this insane thing that I once learned in a government class, which is um, New York City's political party called the Rent is Too Damn High Party, which is founded by this dude on the belief that the rent is too damn high in New York City, and that that is the most important thing. One of their taglines for the party was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And between that and the rent is too damn high, they're basically implying that creating opportunities for New Yorkers to be able to have a stable place to live and be able to afford to feed themselves is the only thing that they're focused on. And they really could not care less about anything else. They don't care about healthcare. They don't care about the environment. They don't care about gun control. And you know what? That's believable, at least, because it's, like, very hard as a representative or a politician to have only a few years and be able to implement so so many different things it's also like not complicated like you're voting for somebody who's a part of the rent is too damn high party you know it's important to you and you know it's important to them And actually, just as like a funny little side note, this party actually changed its name from the Rent is Too Damn High party with the number two to Rent is Too Damn High with the word two. And I just think that's great that they were like, the number two is too silly. People won't take us seriously enough. But the swear word, that's fine. Only a couple of years in recent history have people ran under this party. It was only in 2005, 2009, and 2010, that somebody even ran under this platform. And you know what? That makes freaking sense because different people that like the same party wouldn't happen year after year after year. I think that this would be really helpful because the majority of people are not able to, either because they choose not to, or they just don't have the time, or they don't know how to find good news sources. So they're not truly understanding the difference between All of the candidates when they go to the polls and they don't understand what they're actually voting for. And I'll say, I mean, even as somebody who tries to be really involved in politics, even when I'm voting for local elections and in D.C., there's just like a whole slate of people. There's like 15 at least people you need to look up every time you go to the polls. And it's hard to figure out all of their histories you know, what (laughs) their experience levels, what it's actually important to them, because people would put so many issues, and I'm like, or what they actually have said they'll do versus what they'll actually do, and how they compare to each other, and who has a higher chance of winning, and all of these things, and it's very complicated to even figure out what the difference between every person is, and who is actually aligned with things that are my priorities and would help me. Obviously, we're assuming that everybody would be honest, and not just put something down and then lie. I think that this would be so revolutionary to go to the polls and just have some overly specific tagline to explain what kind of candidate you're voting for. And I think it would create some more really accurate voting, because instead of voting for somebody who just has a party name but might not be do anything in support of you, um, or to be able to distinguish between people within the same party, you would have people voting based on this candidate's actual interests, and as individuals, we could pick what matters to us. I came up with a slew of ones that I think we would potentially see based on some people in Congress now. So imagine walking into the polls and the slate of people you're choosing between looks like this. Candidate A from the, honestly, not a huge fan of reproductive rights or clean energy, but I will raise taxes on the rich party. And next you have candidate B from the, pretending I'm a moderate but will vote Republican every time party. And next we have candidate C of the pro-women's rights, but not in any sort of intersectional way party. And last but not least, we have Candidate D from the not one piece of my biography is true, but please let me into Congress party. And you know what? I think if I was at the ballot looking at those choices instead of just a slew of names and no info, I think I would make a more informed decision. And I think everyone else would too. You've reached the voicemail of Camelia please hang up and dial again. For listening to this episode of Pick Up the Phone, our show would not be possible without the support of our amazing team. Our executive producer is Camelia Pastor, our audio editor is Camelia Pastor, our graphic designer is Camelia Pastor, our marketing team, Camelia and Pastor, sales and analytics, Camelia Pastor, and of course, this season's intern is Camelia Pastor.